Hello and welcome to Southeast Iowa Union Sports Talk live on Washington Live's uh, Facebook and YouTube, Mount Pleasant's Live Facebook and Fairfield Live's Facebook, as well as Spotify Washington Live video and audio. And we've got a packed show today. Um, it's been a busy week for or a busy couple of days for good and bad reasons here. So yep. um, just uh, in case we have any extra viewers that aren't always tuning in right at two o'clock or two or five or whenever we uh, got this out um, to listen to a little high school sports coverage. Uh, we're going to start, uh, as we always do, with some SEC basketball um, from this Friday. Uh, we have a, a super, super close conference race in the boys. Um, and we have two commercial shows, two commercial breaks on this show. After the first commercial break, we will tell you all what we know, uh, mm-hmm. slash remember from um, the incident in Fairfield between Fairfield and Iowa City High on uh, Monday night. So if you're tuning in for that part, once we get past the first commercial, we'll talk about that. But we didn't want to take that to take away from um, a wild weekend of um, basketball, especially mm-hmm. um, on the, the boys' side. And I'm going to start out here because I was with the Washington and Mount Pleasant boys game, which uh, as good of a rivalry as that is, it's it's at its peak right now, you know, with um, both teams, uh, along with Fairfield, um, going after this conference championship. Uh, they came into the game uh, with one loss and both a half a game above Burlington uh, for the conference championship. Mount Pleasant had beaten Washington in a, a, a close game earlier this year. And uh, anyway, so it was at Washington and the beginning of the game um, looked like it was going to be all Washington. It was about as good as the start as the Demons could ask for. Um, Hunter. Oh, by the way, did I mention that Hunter Moeller is my co-host and that we've got Nick Steffens on you the didn't. ones and twos? That's I didn't. Okay. Sorry. Andy Kressinger, <laughs> Hunter Moeller, Nick Steffens. Um, but um, uh, the final score was Mount Pleasant 58, uh, Washington 51. And as I alluded to a second ago, um, Washington got out to a great start. And Mount Pleasant scored the first point. Washington scored the next 12. It was slowed down. They were getting a lot of points. Aiden Six had a great game, and, and he had a big start. Um, in fact, all the, the guys down low were scoring for uh, the Demons. They were up 15-6 to six in the first quarter. And much like when Mount Pleasant and uh, Fairfield played um, this last Friday where Fairfield had a big lead on Mount Pleasant, it seemed like in the second quarter it was kind of, it, it turned from a, a, what looked almost like a runaway game for Washington to you know more competitive. And then all of a sudden it's getting a little quicker, getting a little quicker, and, and Mount Pleasant's finding their footing. And um, it was 27 to 20 Washington at halftime. And um, this is something that head coach Colin Stark said after the game is that he felt like they should be up 15 or 16 points, mm-hmm. which I did too. Um, it, they had a lot of, of bunnies, a lot of missed shots on the wash end because they did get a lot of good shots in the second quarter. Um, so as it, even though the flow kind of was a Washington flow, um, they uh, they were only up seven. In fact, uh, I saw the Mount Pleasant team walking off the court, and a couple of them looked up the scoreboard, and I heard one of them say, "We're only down seven points, guys." <laughs> you know, so yeah. they were just as 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 shocked. And, and if there's a a team I want in the second half, uh, it's probably the Mount Pleasant boys. And um, they came out once again and and had a comeback victory. Uh, Peyton Higgins, as usual, um, just kind of takes over as the game goes on. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He keeps going and going. Um, he hit, I think, think uh, um, six uh, three-pointers in this game, and he scored 30 points. Um, Washington was, was back up 39-38 to 38 after the third quarter, um, and then uh, Mount Pleasant in the fourth uh, was able to, to come back. There was a little back and forth. Um, Owen Vansickle hit a big three to put Mount Pleasant up three, 
And uh, that was about midway through the quarter. And from then on, uh, Mount Pleasant was able to, to pull it out. Washington just went cold, which they hadn't been. Well, they had been. But uh, but they definitely weren't in the first quarter. In the first quarter, they came out just firing away. Um, they got a, a team that has a lot of big guys, but they can all shoot around uh, a little bit. So 58-51, um, Higgins ended up with 30. Uh, Owen Vansickle with um, 13. Uh, Aiden Six with 18 for Washington. And uh, AJ Six with 9. Um, Ethan Patterson was held to 8 points uh, on the Washington side. And on the Mount Pleasant side, Aiden National was held to 2, which are two guys that were the two leading scorers the last time they they played so it was a little bit of a wild game and another fun little addition of that rivalry hunter yeah i mean obviously i can't think i say it every week obviously when those two teams meet up and you know they're two great teams you know fighting for you know it adds a little more a little more fire to it when you're fighting for that that conference title there and obviously we saw it again uh you know last weekend so or last friday night but yeah, and then uh, just one more thing on Mount Pleasant and Washington uh, boys real quick because we got a packed show. Um, they both won the very next night. Uh, Mount Pleasant uh, played Mid-Prairie in a game that I thought was, was two teams that were a carbon copy of each other. And in fact, um, Darren Lambert, the, the head coach of Mid-Prairie, said when he was preparing for Mount Pleasant, he basically said, we're, this is just us. This is just our team because Mid-Prairie, like Mount Pleasant, subs a lot of guys. They have a lot of, of taller guys inside. And um, it was another big uh, Peyton Higgins game. So uh, um, that, by the way, I said the very next night. That's not true because they didn't play Saturday. They played on Monday night. Yep. Uh, and um, he had 28. Alex Bean um, with 18. Cameron Pickard with uh, 12 for the Golden Hawks. And that was a 66 to 59 Mount Pleasant victory. So um, and um, the Golden Hawks also took that one on the girls side of uh, 61 to 51. Um, behind a, a nice uh, balanced effort, Nora Pennington and Landry Jones, or Landry Jones, that's a quarterback yep. for Oklahoma up yep. years ago. I always do that. <laughs> Landry Pacia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Amara Jones, so I say Landry yep. Jones all the time when I think <laughs> about Mid-Prairie girls. Um, they both had 15. Andrea Leprado had 29 uh, for the Mount Pleasant girls. But um, real quick, back to the Mount Pleasant-Washington games, because there was a girls game in Mount Pleasant, and that was a lot like the first team the two teams played. You know, Mount mm-hmm. Pleasant uh, by uh, nine here, 44 to 35. Uh, Andrea Lopperato had 20, Tristan Schultz 16 for Mount Pleasant. Uh, Me- uh, Leighton Messinger had 11 points and 12 rebounds for the, the freshman for Washington. So the Demons are right right there behind Mount Pleasant. Um, unfortunately for the Panthers in this one, Andy Scott uh, went down with an injury, so, which really hurts them. Yeah. Um, you know, they they play six, seven, eight people, and that's one of their, by far, their best athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you got to see the a couple of kids step up against Mid Prairie yep. the next day, but that's a, a, a tough one. She's yeah. going to be out, um, and she's she's improved a lot since last year too. Uh, she has seen her game. She's been huge for him. She has uh, both the, uh, Andy and Alex got her sisters. Mm-hmm. Alex is a freshman, and they add the athleticism when those two are on the court because mm-hmm. they fly you know all over the court, and sometimes they get in a little foul trouble, but they fly all over the court. So it's <laughs> right. it's tough for Mount Pleasant to only have one of them because they're playing at Keokuk uh, with a chance to uh, t- mm-hmm. uh, get up uh, tied for first place for the conference championship. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and uh, on the boys' side, Mount Pleasant is now alone in first, and a, yep. a big reason for that is because our Fairfield boys yep. Yep. Uh, basketball team... Uh, it's Burlington. Yeah, beat Burlington, and it, uh, you were at the girls' game, yep. so you can talk about whichever one you want first. Well, we'll, we'll start with the uh, with the, with the boys' game just because it, just because of the playoff implications uh-huh. or you know conference implications in this one. But uh, uh, the first time these two teams met, it was a nine-point win for, for Burlington. Uh, Fairfield was without J.J. Lane in that one due to sickness, and he was back in this one, and he was big for him. I ended up being a 68-62 uh, Fairfield win. A uh, really great, great game for three. Really great game for Fairfield for uh, for three quarters there. Um, Burlington kind of um, came back into it in the fourth, but didn't have enough time on the clock. But uh, Fairfield led led uh, 13-11 after one, and then uh, 33-22 at the half, um, and then uh, after a 16-14 third quarter, it was 49-36 uh, Fairfield. 
heading into the fourth, uh, Burlington did uh, kind of find a spark in that fourth quarter, ended up scoring 26 to Fairfield's 19, um, but uh, didn't have enough time on the clock, as I mentioned, and uh, Fairfield gets a huge win, a huge win, and I believe with, I think it was, um, I think it's J.J. Martin for Burlington, uh, I, I believe I heard uh, I heard that he scored all 16 of his points in the fourth quarter, so he's oh, yeah. huge for them uh, trying to make a comeback in that. But I mentioned J.J. Lane not being there for uh, for Fairfield the first time around. Um, he scores 22 in this one. Uh, Max or Tate Allen with 18, huge night for him. Uh, Max Wheaton with 16 and uh, 14 boards. Um, I also mentioned Tate Allen at eight assists. I mean, when those three are on, it seems like Fairfield's mm-hmm. putting W's on the board. So, uh, uh, you know, huge win for them to stay in the conference, um, you know, for – Stay up at the top of the conference, but obviously they need some help. Uh, <laughs> help down yeah, the line yeah, with, with you know Mount Pleasant and mm-hmm. even Burlington still right there. So in Washington, yeah, um, yeah. I will say that we have said over and over again that Fairfield is going to get one of the, beat one of those other teams mm-hmm. uh, eventually, and they're playing really good right now. Yeah. Um, actually, what they've won four out of the last five or yeah. so, and um, with the only loss being at Mount Pleasant. So mm-hmm. um, in January, they're one of the hottest teams, and it's getting to that time, yeah, you know. It is. Uh, and you, you were at a, a wild yeah. girls game. Um, you've, you've had a couple of those real close games this year, and Fairfield and Burlington uh, showed down in yep. uh, in Fairfield. Yeah, the boy, the boys and girls flip flopped the results from last time. Obviously, uh, the oh. first time Burlington and Fairfield met, it was a four point win for uh, for the Trojans in that one. Um, and then uh, this time around, it was a sixty eight sixty two win uh, for for Burlington uh, in overtime. Needed an extra period for this one. Um, you know, it was real tight knit, um, kind of what we expect from the first game. Um, Burlington and uh, Fairfield were tied 13-13 after one. Fairfield looked um, outstanding in that second quarter. Um, led twenty or led 33-27 at the half. Um, and, you know, going into the third, Fairfield kind of kept up that momentum. Uh, edged Burlington 11-8 for a 53 or a 60-53 lead heading into the fourth. Um, and then uh, down the stretch, Fairfield had a, had a five point lead with you know just a, around a minute to go. Um, some turnovers on the Burlington press kind of led to some easy bu- easy buck uh, easy buckets, and uh, you know they ended up tying and needing needing overtime, and uh, you know Burlington um, scored uh, outscored Fairfield eleven to five in that in that uh, fifth quarter there, and um, ended up taking the win and taking a big conference win. So that's Burlington's fourth win. Fairfield still sitting at two wins. Yep, and then conference wise, they will um, unless one of them upsets a team above them, they will tie for fifth place mm-hmm. um, with uh, one win apiece there. So, and then uh, conference wise, as I said, um, Keokuk currently in first because they beat Fort Madison. Mount Pleasant and Fairfield tied. Mount Pleasant and Fort Madison, sorry, tied in second. And then Washington's all locked into that fourth place right. spot no matter what. So um, we'll, it's we'll a real tough loss for you know Fairfield looking at that one because that's when you know that's one of the better games that they could you know pick mm-hmm. up a win. And I'll, uh, I'll also mention this because I forgot to mention uh, Savannah Hollander had twenty points, real nice. Nice night for the junior in that one. Ashton Lisk with 15 and Maddie Jones with nine uh, to lead the Trojans in that one. But And they were playing uh, for, uh, Burlington's uh, freshman who just yeah. puts up all sorts of points. Was yeah, playing I believe she had 27 points. 20, 27 points. And fouled out with about four minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. So she could have put up. Uh, she's going <laughs> to, I mean, I can't even imagine how many points she's going to be putting up. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good freshmen on the girls' side. Yeah, there is. Uh, for, I just mentioned Alex Scott from Mount Pleasant. Uh, Washington has a ton of freshman talent. Um, so, uh, and then um, uh, Kia Cook has a really good freshman too. So mm-hmm. there's. Good, good hands of the SEC girls basketball. Um, but uh, we're going to stick um, with uh, a little bit of uh, big school um, basketball in a way. Uh, we're going to go to commercial for two minutes. And when we come back, we will um, talk about uh, the incident with yep. Fairfield and Iowa City High as best as we can and with as much knowledge as we have. So we will be back in two minutes. Federation Bank is a locally owned bank providing award-winning customer service. We believe that we are more than just a federation of banks, but a federation of communities serving Brighton, 
Richland, Wellman, Washington, Iowa. Federation Bank's highly skilled staff is here to make sure you are able to accomplish your personal and professional goals, whatever they may be. Federation Bank, your family bank. Hospice isn't a place, it's a type of care that focuses on living. Servicing a seven-county area, the Hospice of Washington County staff of nurses, social work, hospice aides, spiritual and grief support, volunteers, music and massage therapists are able to provide free end-of-life care where the patient lives. We write wills, give consent for organ donation, but rarely is there a plan for what we would want the final phase of our lives. At Hospice of Washington County, we encourage our patients to be in charge of their healthcare decisions while maintaining quality of life. At the Capper Auto Group, we put our customers' needs first and understand that everyone is as different as the vehicle they select. We offer new Ford, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, and Ram vehicles in a friendly environment that puts you in the driver's seat. When it comes to service, we maintain factory-trained technicians and competitive pricing. The Capper Auto Group still believes that service after the sale provides the best customer experience. Come see the Capper experience for yourself. Tammy takes the time and has the personal interest in each one of us. I don't worry about what's going to happen because I know my policy is taken care of. She pulls what I need and puts it together, which is the program I get from her. Every year she calls around September or so and says, there's changes again, and I'm gonna do the best thing for you. It's been perfect. She does a great job. We are back, uh, Southeast Iowa Union Sports Talk Live. Um, just a reminder, yeah. Wednesdays at two o'clock, we're here, um, Washington Live's uh, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Facebook uh, Live for uh, Mount Pleasant and Fairfield Live, and also Spotify Washington Live video and audio. So if you want to listen to us in the car, I, I, I someone said the other day they were listening to us in the morning on the way to work. So yep. uh, you just don't don't watch it when you're on. Yeah. Them. But uh, yeah, so and we're going to do a more serious subject here, uh, as a lot of people know now because there's been a lot of uh, media stuff and stuff on social media about this incident that happened on Monday night in mm-hmm. Fairfield. Mm-hmm. Fairfield boys were hosting Iowa City High in a non-conference um, game, which was a good challenge for, for both yep. teams. And, and at that, you know, that was kind of what we expected. Um, but there was some extra stuff yep. with, with some ejections and, and then some allegations um, afterwards. And so, Hunter, you were our boots on the ground guy. And yep. uh, so I'm going to ask you first, what do you remember from what happened and from your view? And I know you were on the other side of the court for a lot of this main stuff, but yeah. what did you see go down? Well, you know, first off, it was just a really good game, you know, between, you know, two two tough teams wanting to win, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to start. And then, you know, it got a little, it got a little chippy, uh, you know, in the in the first half, as I mentioned uh, um, in my story, is um, Tate Allen and um, I'm Evan Lampy of Iowa City High kind of dove for a uh, – for a um, loose ball, and then um, you got a little chippy there, but, you know, just basketball, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as the game progressed, um, you know, it, like tensions were tensions were pretty high, yeah. and then uh, um, Iowa City High's head coach ended up getting teed up, um, and, you know, it was right after, right after I believe he was upset that a foul wasn't called or, you know, mm. something along those lines. Um, that, that was my originally, you know, yeah, take, yeah. On, take yeah. on, the, uh, on the incident. And then, you know, it was like, Okay, we're shooting. We're shooting um, technical free throws here, and then next thing you know, he gets a second tech, so he gets ejected. And you know, uh, we're shooting more free throws, and uh-huh. before the second <laughs> technical free throws are shot, um, a fan gets ejected, 
And then, you know, the game just kind of continues as normal after that. I mean, obviously, uh, the, the chanting from both sides is a little is a little more, uh, you know, I guess. Of course. I don't want to say hostile, but, you know, just just, yeah. the, just the energy and, and, and. Tension's high. Tension's high. You can, you can feel it, right? Um, and then, you know, game game's going on um, with about, well, actually not with about, exactly with two minutes left in the game. Fairfield's up 14. Um, um, Evan Lampy. Uh, gets a foul on Tate Allen. Uh, he fouls out, and then all of a sudden he just dead sprint, runs after, uh, runs at Allen, knocks him over, and uh, throws a punch. And next thing you know, uh, kind of bench is clear. Uh, they get cleared out, obviously. Uh, Lampy is ejected. And then, um, you know, uh, they, they, they take a five-minute break uh, just to kind of, I believe, just I think they decided that to talk it over, let the tension kind of die down a little bit. Um, and then uh, next thing you know, they uh, they they called the game. So, um, you know, from the extent of my point of view, obviously I was on the other other side of the court. And obviously, um, you know, after the story was written, we got some some emails from the mm-hmm. from Iowa City fans, you know, talking about uh, this, you know, uh, alleged racially racially charged comment at uh, Iowa City highest head coach. And obviously, I was on the other court, so I had no clue this was even a factor in this uh-huh. until the emails were sent. So now, uh, obviously, it's it's been you know flying around on Twitter and. Um, some other news organizations picked it up, so now it's you know kind of kind of grown into this, uh, um, you know, this allegation, and obviously we're still doing our research and uh, uh-huh. you know f- waiting to see what what's going to happen from the from the higher ups. For sure. Well, yeah, and so I was. I think you were out getting lunch after you the, your story went online at what eleven twelve yeah something. something like that, and and we got forwarded a couple of emails at about one, and so um, I was you know one of the first to read the emails. And they're from Iowa City High um, parents. I was, they said in the email their parents or fans or whatever, and both were pretty similar. Um, and that they said that oh, you forgot to mention, you know, that there was something uh, racially charged said from um, the one of the officials, a ref, yeah, you yeah, know, a referee, referee to the coach. Which you know, I would assume that would have probably been if that happened in the part where he was ejected. Um, and you know that basically the emails are saying, well, now Iowa City High is being painted in a bad light because you talked about the um, the incident, the scuffle. Which uh, you asked me on the way home that night, uh, should I mention the the fact that there was a, a punch thrown or a scuffle? And I said, yeah, you ha- even though it's uncomfortable, you have to because otherwise people are gonna people know that it happened. Right, it was already swirling around. You know that happened, um, and in fact, I, I we're getting word. Um, our news reporter Andy Hallman is talking to a couple different people. One, they're go- he's going to try and ask Fairfield about the stream because Fairfield streams their games, and I had went home um, to stream it, and it got taken down or or right. something, or it just wasn't work. Whatever happened, it wasn't available. But there was video of the incident, which was shared of of all people. The the a student account Barstool uh, Iowa City Liberty got a hold of it, which it was probably yeah. texted from one kid to another. But right. um, so it was out there. I said, you have to say, you have to mention it because right. otherwise when you read the story, like if, if you know what happened, you're you're reading the newspaper and it's like, Fairfield played a pretty good game, yeah. you know, three out of four. And you know, you, but this actually back, happened. Wheaton had so many points. Then it's like, well, you omitted a huge thing. Um, and of course you had no idea about the, um, the allegations of, right. uh, of a racially charged comment, apparently from an official to... Um, the Iowa City High coach. Mm-hmm. Now that was from parents at first, right? And I, you know, emailed and I said, "Hey guys, you know, we'll investigate further." But coming from parents, you know, a real allegation would have to come from the school, right? Well, I was talking to a couple of the the, the Gazette writers um, because they were working on their own, and they had a statement from Iowa City High, um, and you can read it online in full. But the statement from the school alleged 
that uh, not only was there an official um, that said a racially charged um, comment to um, the um, head coach of Iowa City High, who is of color, yeah, but that it was so bad that there was a police escort out of Fairfield High School to get them out, you know, and people have argued online, and I, I kind of agree the um, the statement from Iowa City High makes it almost seem like it was a hostile environment to get out of Fairfield until they needed the, the police to come in um, and take them out. And Fairfield has released a statement um, today, which which we have now um, put out. It's on Twitter. It's on Twitter, and I will read a bit of it because it just came out. Because the the statement, you know, it mentioned that there was a physical Al- act of aggression, I think. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really talk about the you know the scrum a little bit. Um, but Fairfield has um, sent out, uh, and you can read it all. I'll, I'll read a bit of it here. Um, well, maybe I'll just read the whole thing. But it says, in light of some of the publicity and inaccurate reports um, about the gym environment and police involvement at the Fairfield Iowa City High game on, man- on January 23rd, um, FCSD Fairfield Community School District is compelled to provide clarification that demonstrates our com- community values and the happenings that led to the end of the game. Um, and so it goes on to say that Fairfield supports a safe environment. Um, it mentions that um, there was an altercation, which um, they had, I think, put something out before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it said, um, FCSD is aware that Iowa City City High Administration had contacted the Iowa High School Athletic Association regarding allegations surrounding the communication between game officials and the City High basketball coaches. FCSD is willing to provide um, any information that might be a- able to assist in the investigation. They said after the altercation involving players, Fairfield administrators decided the team should take a five-minute break. So this is kind of a a reiteration of the altercation is what led to the break. Right, exactly. Which I think people got confused into thinking that it was after the ejections. Which one of the ejections happened? Was it early fourth quarter or third quarter? Early third quarter. So it was a few minutes in between. Um, I'm sure the tensions were still high. And and if there was something said, I'm sure that could have, you know, raised them enough for something crazy to happen. Yeah. yeah, but it does say Fairfield police were called at the end of the game to support the safety of all individuals. The police did not enter the building during the event. Fairfield police stayed at the high school and were present when the Iowa, the city high team was boarding the bus and the Iowa State Patrol trooper offered to follow the bus out of town and did so without incident, which is a little different than there's a difference between the police coming and, you know, mm-hmm. when they get on the bus and, and follow them out of town then escorting them out of the building and out mm-hmm. of town, basically. Yeah. And so I think people have been concerned on the Fairfield side that Fairfield is getting painted in kind of a bad light, which the officials at the game aren't Fairfield locals. It's not like it's not in volleyball. The line judges are just teachers from the school that they get. To, it's almost a volunteer thing. They, they, um, there was an association of officials that was put on the on the game um, and they have come out with a statement that said that they vehemently deny um, any of this and um, that they were insulted that it was, was kind of that their character was question. put into question um, but a, an important thing to remember and I guess us being sports writers we know this but um, even in non-conference games the officials aren't from if you're in Fairfield the officials don't live in Fairfield right. if you're in Mount Pleasant the officials don't live in Mount, Mount Pleasant there might because they're a cruise um, but that kind of got a little you know and so I think a lot of people thought one that the officials were just Fairfield people and two that the ejections led all the stuff was happening at the right, same time, right, you right. know, and so that was so. So it's kind of good to clear that out. Um, that that's a little wrong. Is there anything that I, I haven't mentioned about this? Because there is a very it's an ever growing um, thing, and we've got a reporter um, in contact mm-hmm. to with the Fairfield Police to ask 
about that kind of stuff and also the video team at Fairfield to see, you know, about the stream and stuff. Not that that matters because it makes sense why you would take down the stream right, if there was an right. altercation. I mean, nothing else. I think the important thing is to just see what, you know, what gets, I guess, mm -hmm. what, you know, what comes to light, uh, like, you know, what comes to light and what the actual, you know, I guess, what, what comes out, what, what does the investigate investigation lead to? I, yeah. I guess is kind of the most important thing at this point. Cause obviously right now it's just everybody's word against everybody else's word. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, you know and I mean? you know, a lot of people kind of put themselves out there one way or another. Right. There aren't a lot of people that were in the area that know what happened. In fact, you were, you were there, but you were on the other side. You, right. you couldn't hear. So I would say advice in general, when something like this happens, don't stick your neck out and say, if you weren't there or you, that it did or didn't happen, because what happens if you say, one, what, what if you say it definitely did happen? He said something, you know, racist. And then afterwards, Iowa City High says, you know what? We got a little heated. We, we made something up. Yeah. Then you look dumb. What if you say, no, that rep didn't say anything wrong. You know, I, he right. definitely didn't do anything. And then the official comes out and says, hey, I apologize. I lost my temper and I said, you know, a horrible thing. Then guess who the, the bad guy in the situation is? It's not only right. the person at fault originally, but it's, it's the people that yeah. kind of stuck their neck out for one side or the other. So yeah. you have to wait. And we don't know. You know, there's three things that could happen. It could be um, the official, it, it could be true, yep. and the official comes out and either never says anything or um, or says that he said it. It yep. could be false, and the coaches uh, either never say that it didn't happen yep. or say that it did. Or the official could have said something that w was either misinterpreted, misunderstood, or that he would not have found racially charged, and the coach would have. In which case, on both camps, they think they're right. You know, right. there's there's no lying or or anything like that. Right. So um, there are a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, uh, you you were a little uh, you were a little bit attacked because Hunter didn't know about the allegations. And uh, when when they were talking about the police escort, I, I did think like, how did Hunter not see the police walk in and take the Iowa City people? You know, oh. so I was a little confused. Um, but your story was out. You couldn't. Yeah. It's not like every game we're going and asking coaches what were your conversations with the with the mm -hmm. officials. So yeah. you got to add a little bit of heat, but not really. Yeah. But I mean, there have been a lot of stories out um, from everywhere. And but obviously, I, I, like, I get like the point of not, you know, like obviously if I would have known there was a racially charged comment, if that was even in the question, like that exactly been in, the, in, in the story. But I just, of course. you know, I wasn't over on that side. Right. You know, it was it was loud in there. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, I probably can't even hear. You know, I wouldn't be able to hear if I'm on the other side of the court what the ref was saying to the, you know. Coach. Exactly. And, you know, we, so in the, in the paper today and online yesterday is, is the, um, story Fairfield chaos ensues Fairfield yep. prevails, which you wrote, I looked at, yep. which I don't always look at, you know, as the sports editor, I don't always look at, you know, through all your stuff to yep. make sure you're not, you know, and we sent out, so, uh, we stand by that. And then we'll have a, a story from the Gazette that Jeff Johnson wrote. It's a very more detailed story with, yep. with quotes, um, about the racially charged, um, the alleged racially charged comment. Uh, and then I believe on Friday we'll probably have something that is a wrap up of because yep. there's still stuff to come out. Right. You know, it's still early in this thing. So these things take time and these could never be it could you know, be solved, you know, months from now. Or because, never, yeah, because so. I mean, the obviously I believe the Iowa Athletic Association, the High School Athletic Association is or has been contacted, but they haven't said really anything yet about. Yeah. About the whole situation yet either. Yeah, I think originally um, Chris um, uh, Kulier, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's, he's a good guy. At first, he was people contacted him right away, and I think he was like, "I don't know what happened. I'm not going to make a statement right now." But the uh, officials' association that that provided those officials did deny it. Yep, yep. And City High still says it happened, and Fairfield is in a way kind of a middleman a little bit because. Yep. 
you know, Tate got, got hit, you know, and, and he, that, whether that had to do with the official stuff. And I know there's probably jawing back and forth, right. Um, which he's okay. You said he got up, got up right yeah, away. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Fairfield's kind of in a, in, in the middle of, of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was some between mudslinging and one way or another, it got on Fairfield somehow. Yeah. So I think they were pretty upset. And so they, they felt like they had to um, send that statement out. So, right. um, and I said, I emailed um, Fairfield's um, superintendent, um, head coach and athletic director yesterday to clear all this up. And I, I said in the email, just so you know, we're getting stuff from city high. So it's, it's probably smart to say something, yeah. you know, because I'm sure your original um, thing is we shouldn't, we don't want to get involved, you know, too involved in this right. when it's between officials and Iowa city high. So right. Yeah. Got yeah. anything else on that? No, I think that was pretty well said. Hopefully we don't have any, hopefully we didn't miss anything and, and get any replies in the I comments. We'll have more on this guys. So yeah. um, we just want to talk about it a little bit because if not, it felt like we were ignoring it. Right. Exactly. Yes. But um, what we won't ignore is our sponsors because yep. we got uh, two more minutes of commercials and then we're going to talk a little bit about some small school basketball, yep. wrestling and, 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 and bowling. We're going to speed through it a little bit when we get yep. back. So two minutes commercials now. when you're talking about your dreams, which is why we're going to keep you covered with plans that can save you up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto. That's protection. Family owned and operated by Andy and Sarah Ross. Ross Auto has been your vehicle repair and maintenance headquarters since 1935. We specialize in all makes of cars and light duty trucks. Our variety of available services let us help you keep rolling and your vehicle operating efficiently. Services include general auto repair, alignments, brakes, fuel injection, and more. Schedule your appointment today at 319-653-5656. That's 319-653-5656. Welcome back uh, to Southeast Iowa Union Sports Talk Live on Washington Live, presented by the Southeast Iowa Union, by the way, a newspaper, um, which everyone could read and subscribe (laughs) to and and stuff like that. That that keeps us going. Uh, Andy Kretzinger, Hunter Moeller, Nick Steffens on the on the on the ones and twos and all the stuff that we don't know how to do and that um, he's also on the camera a lot. So uh, stay tuned to Washington Live and and Mount Pleasant Live for news and Fairfield Live for news updates and and stuff like that. Uh, He kind of heads that up. So. Um, we're going to do a little, uh, roundups. We were both at small school games last night, yep. which normally we would have talked about in ad nauseum by now, yep. uh, but we're going to do a little, a little quick here. Um, we're starting with the boys roundup and I can start, uh, with, cause I was at a small school game. Waco last night played Highland, um, for people who have been following the high school sports season. We know on, on the girls side, we'll talk about it. It's, it was, uh, 
that's a nice little battle. On the boys' side, Waco's undefeated, and Highland is about as young and as new as our teams. So I, I um, apologize to uh, Bill, the coach at um, Highland last night. Hey, I'm sorry that we're seeing you guys play on the road against the number three team in the um, in the state, which Waco is. But it is what it is. There's two teams uh, of ours going against each other. You know, Waco won that uh, 59 to 11. Um, Hunter um, Hughes had 14. Uh, for um, Waco, uh, Colton Lichty had 12. Actually, they might have both had 12. I might have had 14 on the unofficial thing. I think the official had uh, Hughes and Lichty had 12. Simeon Reichenbach had a, a great dunk. He had a missed dunk four seconds of the game and a made dunk 35 <laughs> seconds of the game, which you never see that. That's wild. Um, they had a couple dunks. Mason Miller also threw down one. Um, not quite as, as vigorously as, as Reichenbach's, but I got a picture of the dunk in the paper tomorrow. So um, Highland, uh, Ethan Paisley hit a, a knockdown of three in the first half. He ended up being there. They didn't score three. They had five scores um again they're young and um you know their their coach said afterwards you know playing waco we like to play waco not because we're going to score 11 points but because we can kind of see um what we want to be um soon so uh, highlands on the on the in the rebuilding process mm-hmm. and waco is undefeated probably going to be a one seed in the the sub-state uh and so uh, yeah so that was a, a one of our boys games and tell us about the rest yeah i was on the uh um you know i was in uh Pekin last night uh watch uh, the Pink Panthers take on Hillcrest Academy. Um, on the boys' side, um, obviously, uh, really tightly contested matchup all the way through uh, up until the fourth quarter. Uh, Hillcrest is a Grant Bender hit um, four straight free throws to put the uh, Ravens up 46 40. Uh, and that was the largest lead um, um, up in, at any point in that uh-huh. game by either team. Up until that point, the largest lead was five at any point in the game. Um, it was kind of crazy down to the wire with 57 seconds left. Um, Pekin answered back with a pair of threes. Um, they ended up leading 49-48. Um, and then with 30, uh, 34 seconds left, Pekin got to the line, split at the line. They led 50-48. And then um, uh, Seth Hours of Hillcrest got to the line. They fouled. Um, he got two shots at the line because they were um, um, over the limit there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he split. But somehow Bender got the rebound, and, uh, and they called a timeout. They had a chance to win it. Um, but uh, he got called for traveling, and then uh, Pekin went down to the other end uh, with 1.8 on the clock, hit a pair of free throws to kind of seal in Bender's heave uh, at the buzzer was was too much, and Pekin walks away with a huge win, 52-49. Uh, and obviously that's huge for the Panthers because obviously Hillcrest last year was the number three team right up mm-hmm. there with, you know, Winfield and and um, and Waco, Waco, and, you know, Pekin's kind of coming into their own here. Uh, we were vindicated double because we said on the show multiple times that Fairfield was going to knock off one of those teams, top teams in the SEC, and that we said multiple times that Pekin was going to, you know, that they were kind of our dark horse, dark mm-hmm. horse a little bit, and, and that's a big win over Hillcrest. Yeah, and then uh, uh, for the rest of the boys' games on the night, uh, we'll get to the uh, girls' game when when uh, you talk about the girls' uh, roundup. Uh, uh, New London with a huge win. Um, uh, they down Minneapolis 61-49. Um uh, they won. The Tigers won three, uh, three out of the four uh, quarters on the night, uh, taking the first 14-7, second 16-8, and the uh, third 14-11. The Bulldogs uh, came back in the fourth 23-17, but uh, New London held too much of a lead at that point. Uh, huge night for Blaze Porter. Uh, I believe Cade, Cade Benjamin didn't play in this one, uh, but Blaze Porter goes for 35-12-4. Huge night for him. Um, Mid-Prairie, 62-54 over Durant. Uh, 62-54 over Durant. Um, the Golden Hawks led 21-15 after one and twenty or 31-25 after two. Um, Durant was able to make it a four-point game, uh, 44-41 after a 16-13 third. Um, but the uh, Golden Hawks outscored the Wildcats 18-13 in the fourth to seal that one. 
Uh, Cameron Pickard, I know you were talking about him when you yep. went to Mount Pleasant. He, you, he impressed you. Mm. Uh, he led with 20 points in the win. Alex Bean with 19 in the night. Um, Kyoto 63, uh, 52 over Iowa Valley. Um, Kyoto trailed at the half uh, against the Tigers, but the Eagles dominated the second half on their way to the victory on the night. Uh, Kyoto's outscored 32-29 in the first half, uh, but the Eagles took the third 14-10 and the fourth 20-10 on a, on a huge win. Nice, really nice win for the for Kyoto. They're kind of being, I mean, obviously they lost kind of big to Waco in the season, but, they, but they've been playing some good ball, though. I mean, that was the one blemish <laughs> was that they lost and it was more of a blow. And when you play Waco for the first time, they're pressing all the time. So, I, I, I you know, Kyoto is always one of the more dangerous teams. Mm-hmm. And they're always I believe the they most, only have three losses, too. They're always the most fun team in the tournament because they don't play the other Super Conference teams also. They're kind of the mystery, so yeah, they're kind of fun. Um, Wapolo, uh, 53-41 over Columbus. Um, the Wildcats were outscored 21-6 after one, and then uh, Columbus bounced back in the second with 13-5 um, quarter to make it 26-19 at the half. Uh, Wapolo kind of took control in the second half, 13-5 in the third, and then uh, 17-14. Uh, well, Columbus won the fourth, uh, 17-14, but just, just came up a little short there. And then we have Danville, 47, uh, 47-19 over Van Buren County. Um, really, it was a close game through the first. Uh, Danville uh, led 8-6 after one and then uh, um, won the second, 11-10. So it was just a 19-16 lead for the Bears after um, after the first half. But in the second, it was all Bears. Um, they scored 28 while giving up just three points to the Warriors in the second half. So... A real tough time for Van Buren there and scoring on the scoring end there. I mean, 28, point, 28 points ain't that bad, but mm-hmm. um, just seems like they couldn't get the ball in, ball in the bucket there in the second half, so tough loss for Van Buren there. For sure. And that's it for all the uh, for all the uh, boys' action on the night, small school boys. There you go. Well, we had some girls' action, and um, you were at uh, Pekin and Hillcrest, so you can start there. Yep. Uh, what happened there? Um, you know, really, uh, you know, obviously been been a struggle for Hillcrest Academy this year. I'm obviously still searching for their first win, Pekin. Um, you know, they had two wins coming to this one. Uh, they end up taking this one 56-21. Um, you know, uh, that's their third win of the season. Really, I was kind of impressed with, you know, how Hillcrest was playing um, in that first half there. You know, it was a pretty pretty tight-knit game um, um, through the first half. Uh, Pekin led 12-5 after, after the first quarter, and then um, it was even closer in the second. Uh, 7-5 into Pekin's favor, and that was 19-10 lead after the half. But then in the... In the second half, it was pretty much all all Panthers in that one. Uh, they really kind of picked it up on the on the uh, offensive end. Um, in the third quarter, uh, Hillcrest did do better on the on the scoring end, but kind of ended ended um, on, a, on a bad note in the scoring as scoring was going the in the fourth. Um, so in the third, uh, Pekin outscored Hillcrest twenty to nine. Uh, that gave him a thirty nine nineteen lead uh, going into the fourth, and then uh, seventeen Pekin ended it on a seventeen two quarter uh, for that fifty six twenty one win. So. Um, you know, like I mentioned, third win of the season for Beacon. Uh, Hillcrest still searching for their first win. Yeah, for sure. And though they're they're young too, and um, I was at Waco and Highland uh, as I mentioned because I was at the boys game. It was a duh, guys. It's a girl boy doubleheader. Pay attention to the Super Conference much. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a, a game that featured some of our more statistically statistically crazy uh, players. You know, <laughs> right? Um, we Alec Kissel scores a, a, a bunch of points a game. Sarah Burton basically a walking double double for Highland. And then um, Highland's Caitlin Waters is, is one of the best uh, passers around. She's, she's up there in the assist totals for sure. But it was kind of a, a lower scoring, a little more clunky uh, type game. And the difference by far in a 60 to 25 Waco win was that Waco got about every rebound um, <laughs> offensively, um, especially. Um, I thought that it was a great game um, for Emma Wagler and Grace Coble down low. 
um, getting a lot of rebounds. Wagler had a she had a couple of threes. Um, she really impressed me just with her versatility. Um, and then Ella gets a lot of rebounds. She's a, a really tall guard. Um, and uh, Kissel with 17, Wagler with 14, uh, Coble with 12, and Katie Lichty had 10-4 in double digits. And those girls were in double digits but early in the fourth, you know, or, or maybe late in the third. So uh, it was a very balanced attack. Highland Sarah Burton had nine. Jessica Krause had uh, seven all in the second half. Uh, she really came alive there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Highland uh, um, couldn't quite take down one of the, the top teams. There, we've seen the separation between the, the top two in the north in both boys and girls basketball and so a win for old Waco and yeah. and yeah it was a, it's it's tough to try and out rebound a team that has that kind of height yeah for sure um let's see oh we've got more girls basketball i almost forgot the actual roundup uh mid prairie has played seven games in 2023 girls basketball hunter how many think they've lost none Zero. <laughs> seven game winning streak they're undefeated for the year uh, 63 22 over durant last night uh, Lander Pacha, uh, 12 points and 11 um, rebounds. Maya Nonneman with 11 uh, with 12 points uh, co-led the team. Uh, Iowa Valley 51 to 22 over Kyoto. Um, Albia 60 to 31 over Cardinal. Wapolo 43 to 38 over Columbus. Um, this is a, a close game. I think BC Moore had this uh, a lot more than five points. Um, you know who has returned to the box scores. We haven't seen Columbus girls since she's been back, but Lily Coyle, who yep. was hurt, one of their best athletes, uh, sophomore. She went four, and she's still coming off the bench and maybe hasn't found her shot yet. Yep. The percentages haven't been there, but 11 points, 11 rebounds, and four steals. Man. So watch out for Columbus. They're going to be one of those teams in the regional that's under-seeded because they were injured um, coming into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mediapolis 79-27 winners over New London. Mediapolis not a very fun team to play right no, now. No, they're uh, uh, Mediapolis plays Burlington Notre Dame, um, by the way, th- tomorrow or Friday, and the winner of that will be the last team standing with one loss in the South, which would mean they play Winfield Mount Union, who did not play last night in the championship, the Super Conference Championship game. So, Which is going to be very interesting. Yeah, WMU fans, you want to pay attention to Mediapolis Notre Dame girls. Especially because the first time around, um, uh, Mediapolis got them, right? beat Notre Dame, I believe. Yeah, and, yep. and, and, and then Winfield, Winfield has beat, beat Mediapolis. by, I believe it was like 17. And Notre Dame, in my opinion, is probably going to be the other top seed in, in Winfield's yep. um, bracket. They haven't yep. played yet, and they've played don't want to remind Winfield fans about that. They've played the last few years in the tournament, and right. it hasn't quite went Winfield's way mm-hmm. um, yet. So, yeah, that's all that we got for basketball. We're yeah. going to run through. Um, you had the wrestling yeah, roundup the other day. Yeah, the weekend wrestling. I'll just run through it real quick. Um, uh, the Washington Demons were at the John J. Harris Invitational over the weekend. Uh, as a team, the Demons finished 12th. Uh, Aaron Boone and Drew Carter were both second-place finishers at 120 and 138. Uh, Fairfield and Mount Pleasant both took part in the Williamsburg Raider Invitational. Um, the Trojans finished fifth in the tournament, and Mount Pleasant took sixth. Uh, Kale McCabe uh, at 113 and Dre Smithberg at 220 for the Trojans were both first place finishers. Um, Dane Burkhart was a second place finisher, uh, as well as Zach Westerkamp. For Mount Pleasant, Franklin Toussaint took third at 285. Uh, Charlie Bowenkamp finished fourth at 126, and Bowen Davis finished fifth at 145. Um, Columbus uh, Columbus Winfield Union were at uh, Bean City Duels in Iowa City on Saturday. Um, as as a team, the Wildcats took sixth. Um, Waco, New London, Van Buren County, and Highland all competed in the Wise Muskeen Invitational over the weekend. Waco finished seventh. New London took ninth. Van Buren tenth. Highland eleventh. Uh, for Waco, Jonathan Heather took first at two eighty-five. Louding Housing Gate was uh, third at one sixty. John McLaughlin and Drew Deers took fourth at one twenty and two twenty. New London's highest finisher on the day was uh, Gage Burden at one twenty. Uh, Dom Lopez at one one sixty, and then Trent Wilkerson at two twenty-five. Both or the trio were both uh, first place finishers. Uh, 
Carlos Valenzuela of Highland took first at 132. Uh, Remington, T- Remington Fields placed second at 145. Um, for Van Buren County, uh, Colt Boyles led uh, the Warriors on the day with a third-place finish at 106. Uh, T.J. Deerock, Corbin Camp, Tyler Stoltz, Kill, Mellinger, Darren Kaufman, and <laughs> Naomi Westerkamp all took fifth. <laughs> a lot of fifth-place finishers there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mid-Prairie and Sigourney Coda uh, were in the North Tama Red Hawk Invitational over the weekend. Uh, Rihanna Utterback uh, finished first at 106, and DJ Hams uh, finished first at 105 or 145. Uh, Reed Mullinex, um at 152, Ashton Schwab at 160, Brady Clark at 126, and Dan McLaughlin 132. Oh, and Jack Clearhand all took second, and Clearhand was at 170. Um, and looks like that is that is it. That is it. Um, just some we we have got some more bowling that will be in. Let's see it tastes and Fridays. Um, Paper, but just a, a few score. Got one it. thing. One thing I forgot to mention. I forgot to say Mid Prairie for Mid Prairie. Uh, um, Terry Borden Nave at one ninety five was a first place finisher. Sorry, don't want to leave Terry out of there. We got some important bowling information. We had an anomaly happen earlier this year. Was it the Fairfield boys or girls who lost by one pin? It was the boys. Uh, Fairfield boys. Uh, yep. Yeah. I Fairfield, believe so. Fairfield boys and Mount Pleasant. Fairfield and Mount Pleasant boys. One pin. Well, that's you're spoiling it because I was talking about the last one pin win. because oh, uh, Fairfield lost by one pin, I believe in. Boys, well, you know what? Watch the rest of our shows. We we talked about it one time. Uh, it's happened for the second time. Yep. Uh, two two thousand four Fairfield at Mount Pleasant, a one pin difference. The second one pin difference we've had this year. Two thousand four hundred ninety for Fairfield. Two thousand four eighty nine for Never, Mount Pleasant. Hardly ever see that. So uh, you hardly ever see it. We've now seen it twice. Um, Ethan Cass uh, led Fairfield three seventy nine. Dalton Drish three fifty. Um, Christian Brock, Brock Wagner uh, for Mount Pleasant had a three ninety one. Um, so a big one there. And then in the girls' duel, um, Mount Pleasant, 21-96 to 18-42. Um, Addison uh, McCarty, uh, 327. Bethany Drury, um, shout out Chad Drury, our pal, a former sports writer for the um, Hawkeye and Courier. Mm-hmm. And I still writer. Uh, uh, with 295. <laughs> Elizabeth Hootman with uh, 294 to lead uh, Fairfield. So um, a couple of... of uh, Big scores there, and um, of course, what I didn't do is is pull up the demon bowling uh, from last night. Here we go. Uh, they traveled to Keokuk, the hardest place to play in Southeast Conference yep. bowling, um, and they. Um, uh, do I have a final score on this? Do I have a final score on this? No. Hunter, you want to talk about something for five seconds, and I'll uh, I'll bring up a final score on this for Old Washington. Um, Unless they don't have it yet, it's going to be an exciting weekend in NFL. <laughs> That's right. Who you got? Who, who's if you know? Well, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I can't. I got to ride oh, with yeah, my. I got to right. ride with my Chiefs. All right. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes is hurt? Well, on a scale of one to ten, how hurt is Patrick Mahomes? <sighs> I think he'll be about a six or seven by the game. Six or, or seven. He'll be at a six, six or, or seven. seven hurt or six or he, seven healthy. Hurt. Because oh, he got a high ankle. Good. High ankle sprains aren't good, man. Uh, I was thinking earlier, and this might be a, a bad thought for Kansas City fans, was that it might be good that he has to stay in the pocket. Because remember last year, he had a, at the end of the game, he had a couple of those scrambles, and they got blasted and fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. Cost them the game, kind of. Yeah, we dominated uh, him in the first half last year, and then we just let it go. We just let it go. <laughs> Don't bring that up. <laughs> the girls were third um, at Keokuk. They also went against West Burlington. They scored 9-10. Washington doesn't have a full girls team, so those scores are a little, um, what would you say, not mathematically yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like they all went out and rolled gutter balls they don't have as many right. um, girls there and um, getting the boys score here good good tv right here as i'm loading <laughs> in the boys um they got third as well um with uh, 13 37 
Uh, so third to uh, some good bowling teams, especially Kia Yeah, I'll tell you what, Kia Cut comes to bowl. They bring the whole town and you you walk in and it's like it's like they all ask for work off to go to bowling. They pack the house in bowling. So Kia Cut bowling, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. This has been a, little, a long yeah, episode. Long Sorry, Nick, probably trying to get home. Uh, I promise <laughs> we won't always go this long. But thank you to our sponsors. Thank yeah. you to uh, everyone who watches and listens and um, for Hunter Moeller, Andy Kretzinger, yeah. and Nick Steffens, uh, an hour into the show about. We yeah. are out. We will see you, you next week. Next week. <laughs>